and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast where we talk about the um, sometimes problematic wellness world. My name is Jenny Omani. I'm Annika Buckle. And I am Lee Freiling. And today we're going to tell a story of my toxic trait in uh, watching TV, which involves me Googling everything that I'm watching. Um, (laughs) See, this is why we're friends. This is why we're friends. It drives my husband bananas. You're not even watching this. No, I'm doing something more important. I'm seeing if it's real. I'm fact checking actually. And that's a very important thing to do when you primarily watch historical things. So I used to, before having kids, like Dave and I watched lots of TV together. Um, we were early adopters in the ditching cable and just going with streaming services. So we had Netflix. I'm pretty sure we illegally had like a service that let you deter, you could watch like UK Netflix, American Netflix, like before it was like, it was very separate. Anyways, yep. they super put an end to that. Um, <laughs> shock, shocker. You're not allowed to do mm-hmm. that. Um, and that business I feel like it kind of like went out kind of like LimeWire or Napster. It was a great idea. Oh. It was awesome. And then because it was like super actually sketchy and unethical, it disappeared. Um, and we used to watch like really intense shows. Like I remember one of the last intense shows we watched was Luther, which is phenomenal. Like nobody does <laughs> suspense crime stuff like um, the Brits, but it was really intense. And then after I had kids, I was like, I don't really ever want to watch really intense things that stimulate my central nervous system (laughs) ever again, the end. And, um, I, I like part of it is, and I read somewhere that people rewatch the same series because like it's Uh predictable. And so it's calming. So I don't do that. But what I do is I watch things that are based on true events because they are predictable and therefore calming because I can look uh, that shit up. You can Google how it ends. So you're happen. not going to be scared. Uh-huh. I like it. Yes, I know. Um, so this was no exception. So I started watching. I don't, like you guys said, I don't really watch a lot of TV. Um, it's not even TV. I don't stream a lot of things on my TV, I guess. But um, I watched The Empress somewhat recently. Good mm-hmm. reviews. People are like, it's like one of those things. It's like, did you like The Crown? Did you like Bridgerton? Did you like yes. Downton Abbey? Oh my God, <laughs> the algorithm yep. of this for you. And it was phenomenal. So of course I did what any good human would do who doesn't like surprises. I um, looked up the entire thing. So this is only one season in. And here's your spoiler alert. Um I don't know. Do you need to give a spoiler alert when this is like literally something that happened in the past and the end is already known? I don't know if you wanted to be surprised by this historical event. My um, Look, my husband, if he was listening to this, he likes to be surprised even if it's okay. real and he could look it up. So Dan, Dan Buckle, stop listening. Stop. Go watch. And you just got to wait till the whole the whole series. They've only had one season. So um, this is so spoiler alert, but not really because the Internet um, and it happened like 200 years ago. So you've had, there's been some time to catch up on it. Um, okay. So the Empress is about, um, uh, the main character is the Empress, the Empress of Austria at the time. And her, she goes by Cece and it's this, this story where they kind of, it's, it's very beautifully shot and like the costumes are beautiful and the scenery is beautiful. Like, uh, it's, it's like filmed in real palaces and it's just stunning, right? Like, it's just like it's a right. to watch. It's beautiful. Um, there are subtitles, which is a little problematic for someone who spends a lot of time on Google during a show. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Cause I had, start, I was like, Oh, I'm going to watch the Empress too. And then I saw it with subtitles and that particular day I was like, I can't, you're like, I need Oh to no, just- I'm not going to pay attention. <laughs> well, all my reading has to go to the Instagram that I'm reading at the same time while well, I'm watching. Yeah. Let's be real here. If I'm tuning out the world, I'm doing it on at least two screens and I can't watch the subtitles. So that's just the the first thing. I stare at my little screen with my big screen on in the distance as a reward for getting through things on my medium screen. Totally. Yeah, exactly. That is just life summed up. (laughs) 2020 in a nutshell. (laughs) So this sweet little bug. Uh. So uh, Empress Elizabeth of Austria, um, she is born into royalty. I always love how these shows bring these like young women to meet an emperor. And it's like, oh, it's like, no, no. Sister's uncle was the king of Bavaria. It's like how they make Princess Diana Mm -hmm. seem like a commoner. Like she's from like one of the longest standing aristocratic families in England. But like (laughs) somehow they're like managed to make it seem like she was normal. Like she's wasn't same shit here they they very much present it like oh here this this like she grew up in the countryside and blah 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 right so her king's her uncle is the king of bavaria sisters for royalty but she did have a very um unconventional childhood for a kid who by all accounts like if you step back should have been raised to be like an important wife somewhere right like mm-hmm. she's she she comes from royalty Um, she, she really should have been like a pawn in terms of her parents, like strategic, like life plan. But her, her dad seems to be like this eccentric guy who, um, will like pull her out of her lessons to take her to the village, to play with like the peasant children and go horseback riding. And so she, she really didn't get the, she's also the, not the oldest daughter. So she kind of just like didn't follow the way uh, you would have expected a kid of her upbringing to to go to to be and they call her Cece. Now I've seen some places call it say it Sissy, some say Cece. The show uses Cece. I've literally heard 50/50. My Austrian, my Bavarian, my languages of that area non-existent. So um I'm just going to call her Cece. It could be Sissy. I'm very sorry historians. Um her this story though it's easy to see why this became a Netflix series because the true story um, is just like perfect for a cheesy movie script. Like you couldn't have planned it any better. So her sister, Helene is supposed to marry the emperor of Austria, Franz Joseph, the first Franz Joseph's mom is a real piece of work as we'll learn. And um, this is his cousin. So he's supposed to marry his cousin as you do in the 1800s. um, As you you do with royalty. As you do mm-hmm. after, after the Habsburgs whittled themselves into non-existence, the, uh, it's still like Habsburg territory. So, you know, they're just doing their thing. Um, so he's supposed to marry his cousin. And so Helene, the sister that's supposed to marry the, uh, emperor and her mom and her sister, Cece, you know, head off to go and give away the, the sister to marry this guy. So they apparently, and this makes sense because it's a long trip. They have to change carriages a lot. Like, I don't know, like, I guess they go through a beating and I don't know, whatever. They got to change carriages for whatever reason. Is it the horses maybe more likely that need to be changed? It's easier just switch the whole carriage. I don't know. But in this like rigmarole, they show up and all of their luggage is lost. 
Mm. Um, it is like traveling in 2022. Totally the same. Yeah. Like there's some real parallels here. Um, but they also show up. So in their traveling clothes, which are going to be way more like, they're not going to be fancy. Like, Hey, I'm here to meet an emperor clothes, but they also had an aunt who died. So they're like in mourning clothes. So they're wearing black. None of their luggage is there. This is like a really big deal in the 1800s to not be dressed appropriately. Even though you're like literally showing up to see your family, let's just call a spade a spade. This is your family. You're marrying Mm -hmm. into your family, like your cousins, like, I don't know, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So they show up there. It's all like they're late. They talk, it, it keeps bringing up how they were, uh, they were late to arrive. I'm like, how do you, there's no GPS. Like, how do you predict what time your carriage is going to come to from Bavaria to Vienna? Like, I feel like there's no tight timeline with that, but anyways, they're late. Um, and they're super dressed inappropriately. And it just like lends to like the perfect script. Like, oh no, our luggage isn't here and we're wearing the wrong clothes. And then also following with our little like Hollywood script that emperor's like, I don't want to marry that, that lady. I want to marry the 16 year old sister, 15 when he sees her. I want to marry that teenager. Obviously. Totally. So, I mean, of course they dramatize it in the show. And I mean, there's no real accounts of exactly what happened that I could find. So like whatever, but by all accounts, he picks the other sister. Um, she's 15. They get married when she's 16. So I think we can assume the maturity level here is like not super high. She's I wasn't also, even, I wasn't even mature enough to get married when I was like 23. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> no. So she's really young. She's dumped in Vienna, which is like a very uptight formal court. I, there are degrees of formality within Royal courts. Apparently Vienna is like up there as far as the uptightness about it. And she's not trained with any of the rules for the Viennese court because like she wasn't actually supposed to, like her sister got all that training because she was supposed to marry the emperor. She didn't get any training. So she like, doesn't know what she's supposed to do. And she starts having, um, like even before the marriage anxiety attacks that are documented, like historically, like that she's having (laughs) bouts of anxiety. I'm sure they called them hysteria or whatever. Cause it's, you know. Sort of woman. She's a woman. <laughs> she's a woman and it's the 1800s. And if you're doing anything, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. It's hysteria. Um, so now we're going to meet, uh, the mother-in-law, Sophie, the archduchess. Um, the, she is described as the only man in Hofburg palace. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, so goodness. She like, History hasn't like aged her well. Like, I don't know. Like the, the lasting impression of this lady is that she is a battle ax of a bitch. Mm-hmm. And she, mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is like the remaining description of her. The only man in the Hopper palace. Oh goodness. Yes. So a little history on her. She's a real piece of work. She, um, like very long story short, her husband, the, the emperor abdicates her husband's supposed to be next in line. He's supposed to be emperor. She convinces him to, to, to like pass it on to their son, because if she's empress, she has no power. She's just like a hostess. But if she's the mom of the emperor, she can like still be in charge of stuff. So she convinces her husband to give up being emperor. So their like 18 year old son can be emperor. So she can be in charge. So she really, she was the man of the house. Um, she sounds very smart. She mm-hmm. does not sound like a dumb lady at all. Yeah. But she's not a kind woman. Um, so 
little CC here. Remember she's 16. She's everybody from very Marie Antoinette style. Like no one from Bavaria is there. It's just all these Viennese ladies. They're picked for her and they report back to Sophie, anything that's going on. So um, they make it so that uh, Cece's not allowed to talk about the fact that she's actually facing a lot of homesickness. She's like a kid. Um, she's depressed. Mm. She's anxious. So she's really, um, and this is like information that's passed through history. So it must've been really significant for mm. it to have been totally. documented, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I think that we can't emphasize that enough that the fact that this is historically stood the test of time and, and, and been documented in enough places that historians can sort of say that this is what happened. Like that's, that says a lot. Yeah. That's very, saying something. Yeah, it says a lot. It's it's pretty sad to hear, especially when you think of like a teenager, right? Yeah. Um and this is this also speaks to her um character, to this Sophie's character, the mother-in-law from hell. Um, she writes a letter to somebody saying, You cannot imagine how um oh shoot, I didn't write the whole quote down. Never mind. We're gonna cut this out. <laughs> Basically, she says, like, you can't imagine how delightful she is when she cries. Oh, <sighs> Ow. Yeah, she's a bitch. So little Sophie, or not little Sophie, <laughs> um, little Cece, she's 17 years old. It's a few weeks after her wedding. She writes a poem. And um, it is, I'm going to stick it in the chat here. It's a really good description of how, um, I haven't copy and paste her. Here we go. It's a really good description or depiction, I guess, of how she is feeling at the time. Want to read us away there, Annika? Oh, had I but never left the path that would have led me to freedom. I have awakened in a dungeon with chains on my hands. Oh, so this is like, this is how she's describing her life. I mean, okay. First of all, it sounds like she's in a horrible situation, but I will mm -hmm. also say as somebody who went through an emo phase when I was like 17, 17, I feel like I could have written something similar, although it would have been just like about, I don't know, having to like paint the fence. Yeah. Like a Victorian era emo phase. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think part of the thing that's interesting here. So keep in mind, I just watched the first episode of um, Megan and Harry this morning. Um, you know, there was one of the people that was interviewed, they were talking about like, you know, members of the Royal family are seen as like, you know, they get, they get these like lavish lifestyles and they live in palaces and they have servants all over the place and whatever. And the guy was basically like, I wouldn't trade my life with theirs for a hot second because they just yeah. basically don't have a lot of freedom at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think that that's been one of the really interesting things to come out, especially when we're talking about, you know, Royals and, you know, kind of deconstructing, Mm -hmm. you know the story that like every little girl from the 80s and 90s you know was raised with around like princes and princesses and about mm -hmm. being saved by a you know prince charming you know he said basically they live in a gilded cage it mm -hmm. looks beautiful but you know they At just don't cost? have yeah what cost yeah. exactly so um i think that's an interesting thing that you know this <laughs> The royals haven't learned their lesson. Let's put it that way. No. <laughs> and, you know, if you think with Queen Elizabeth's passing, one of the things that comes up the most people say is like she did her job so well, which is basically mm -hmm. that she showed zero emotion, mm -hmm. had no response. Like literally every single thing that happened, she just like silently took it. 
is was the it, or the optics of silently took it and that was her doing her job well right yeah. so yeah. it's a real um dehumanization mm. i think 100 percent. yeah um speaking of dehumanization the uh the next thing that happens is she gets she's young luckily she doesn't have fertility issues think because like that's her job now is to have kids so she within like eight months after getting married has her first baby who's unfortunately a girl um because her job is to make boys not right, girls right and uh this uh horrific mother-in-law take literally apparently takes the kid takes the baby and names the baby after herself huh. that's nice <laughs> Can you imagine your mother-in-law showing up in the hospital after you deliver a baby and being like oh perfect i'll name her carolyn and you're like what that's your name <laughs> but, but i but what <laughs> yeah so names baby after herself and then um, actually makes the baby's nursery like on the other side of her personal apartments, the, Sophie's apartments, so that in order for Cece to see her baby, she has to like go through her mother-in-law, like oh, like physically and like literally has to like oh go through her mother-in-law to access her baby, who she's not allowed to nurse. She ends up um, at several points in time having like really horrific mastitis because she's not allowed to nurse and gets like really sick um because she's not allowed to nurse her baby and no royals yeah. don't nurse that's just for peasants um so yeah so things aren't going great and uh also in a way that resembles you know the modern world she begs her husband she's like dude you gotta talk to my mom your mom like this is ridiculous like she's like stifling me and he's like i am absolutely not talking to my mother <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you met yeah. her? No way. No, have thank you met you. her? She literally stole her baby and named her after herself. <laughs> I am not talking about her, not talking to her about anything. Uh, then she has a second daughter and Sophie, uh, leaves a pamphlet on CC's desk, uh, that says something to the effect of a queen that fails to produce a male heir is worthless and should be cast off. Um, Ooh. love notes from, uh, love notes from your mother. Love notes from history's best mother-in-law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then really tragically when baby Sophie is two, they've got two babies now. So she's what? Like 19. She's got two kids. She's pregnant with a third one. She's allowed Ooh. with her husband to go on vacation by themselves. So they go to Hungary where, um, the, the kids get that, sick. That, I hear that the Hungary is a real hot spot for, well, <laughs> well, well, I mean, let's be honest. When well, you're going, look, the leash doesn't go that far. When you're royalty your vacation spots probably consist of where you want to create alliances let's be very, totally. very real pretty any, limited pretty limited so a hungarian country uh, countryside it is but the kids get sick and the two-year-old sophie dies ah and then sophie bitch and a half the the archduchess one it says this is proof that cc's an unfit mother because oh, the baby gets like a disease, which let's keep in mind at this time. Like, that's bit lots of babies die of diseases. Lots of, of lots of people die. I bet I bet all this was really good for Cece's anxiety and depression. And mental health. Yes. So this Jeez. is well, where the other, the other aspect about that too is the fact that they're all like inbred, right? Mm. Like oh, totally. you know, when you're marrying your cousin, <laughs> there's yeah. some there's some genetic you know, stuff that happens there. And I mean, not to say that that's necessarily why this poor baby died. They probably, she probably like caught a cold and had a fever. Yeah, she's probably like cholera or something like that. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, she probably, like, it's the irony. you're like, I don't know. It's the yeah. irony of this illusion of like a strong bloodline when you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, the opposite. You're actually. making it worse. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. A hundred percent. And also this whole fixation, cause they didn't know how genetics worked about how like you producing daughters was like the, the woman's fault. And it's like, now we know categorically that it is actually a hundred percent the father yep. who determines yep. the gender of a baby right? <laughs> or the sex of a baby, I should say. But yeah. So now good news is the kid she's pregnant with ends up being a boy. So she sort of ticks off that box, but now becomes completely obsessed with her beauty. And this is what I find so fascinating because this is the first time that I have gone down a Wikipedia internet rabbit hole while watching a historical drama and been like, oh, I've never heard of that happening in that period. And this is so reminiscent of what we see now. Mm -hmm. So she becomes obsessed with her looks. She's quite tall. She's five foot eight. Oh. Um, and she never is heavier than 110 pounds. She keeps oh her weight God. under 110 nope. pounds. Nope. Uh, yeah. It's so nope. sad. After three kids. I mean, she's 21. Three kids. Right? Yeah. She's like 21, but still her body has changed shape many times. She's had all yeah. the hormones. She's had everything. Well, and also five, like five, eight is like pretty tall. That's very tall. Those days, totally. right? Totally. Like, that's 100%. a lot like your bones alone are probably that much totally um she becomes obsessed with exercise she hikes mm. she rides uh, for hours a day she rides horses for hours a day she ends up as she ages swapping out her ladies in waiting because she exercises so much that people her age just like are like i can't do this so she keeps having younger ladies mm. in waiting who can like do all the horseback riding and hang with her yeah. Well, keep in mind, like horseback riding is side saddle. Then she's not like, she's like perched on the side of a ho- horse. Like that's, we're not, it's not comfortable. Physically no. um, demanding. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Um, she ends up having, and I couldn't find exactly what this looks like. I saw pictures, but I don't know. No one could tell me what the photo, what, what the equipment in the photos like was. She has uh gyms installed at all of the palaces she goes in and they oh, look right. like, they look like in elementary school when there'd be like wooden ladders coming off of the, the gym, uh-huh. walls, oh, yeah, yeah. like that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I guess it was like for, I don't know, like, was she doing pull-ups? I don't think so. But like she has gym equipment at every palace. Um, wow. That's her- actually really, I mean, I feel like that's not something like, this is not part of the like collective zeitgeist. This is something that we No, know. no, this is different. This is abnormal, right? Like she had to have them added. It's not like they were already there and she needed access. To <laughs> and them, then, like- and then the next royalty had it removed. Cause they're like, well, what the hell is this? They're like, why are there ladders? They're here? like, the <laughs> point of being royal is to sit around <laughs> on my throne and be fed peeled grapes. I'm, yeah. I lift nothing. I lift, I lift nothing. nothing other than my pinky while I'm sipping tea. Right. Um, <laughs> terrible we're terrible right excuse it if you love the royals everyone i'm sorry i'm not really trying kind of like the royals and like i'm gonna gonna bite my tongue (laughs) (laughs) uh she has a balance beam and mats put in her bedroom so that she can like have access to exercise equipment i mean if you think about it like what kind of exercise were women doing in like the 1860s well like average woman is doing doing an incredible amount of hard physical labor every day in trying to stay alive like hoeing the field yeah exactly but they're not doing intentional exercise do you know what i mean like they're doing labor (laughs) 
they yes. are physically yes. working. They're not. Well, yes. you know what though? This is a recreational really, exercise. I think that this is a really interesting point around the, the class aspect of recreational exercise, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we talk a lot about who has access, what kind of resources mm-hmm. do you have to have to have access? I mm-hmm. think that's part of the reason that this is such an interesting conversation because, you know, nowadays it wouldn't be weird to think, you know, Kate Middleton had a gym installed in the palace. That would be no, totally right. normal. In fact, I'm sure she does, but I'm sure you think about, dude, the- I would have a gym installed in my house if I could afford to have a gym <laughs> installed. Like that sounds great. Right. But then I think again, kind of to this point, like what, like not just what is normal in these days, but what is physically Mm -hmm. required of women. Mm -hmm. And the same holds true today when you, when, what is physically required of you is, you know, physical labor. There is no, you don't want to go and like climb a Stairmaster because you're exhausted because your life is already taking it out of you. It's that classic. And you see this happen with so much in terms of like the wellness industry where they take something and make it exclusive, but it stems Mm -hmm. from something that is actually really popular. So in this case, like, Mm -hmm. let's just say like labor in terms of women physically being active and working in jobs that are very labor intensive is a poor person thing, air quotes, right? right? So then what do you do as an aristocrat or a wealthy person? You make your own way to like do the labor, but make it, make it, make it bougie, right? You have your gym installed (laughs) labor, but make it bougie labor, but make it cool. Right. And you see that a lot Mm -hmm. in modern wellness, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're not going to bike. You're going to Peloton, nothing against Peloton. I love my Peloton, but like, you're not going to go for a run when you can go for a run with, and make sure that you're like connected to Strava and you've got the right shoes and you've got the right outfit and you've got, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's always about like, that sort of exclusivity component as much mm-hmm. as you can make it there. Even if it's something as basic as like going for a run, you don't need yes. all of that stuff, but wellness culture takes it and makes it exclusive. And what I find so fascinating is that's what's happening here. Like a couple hundred years ago, mm-hmm. right? 150 huh. years ago, depending on, you know, what sort of time in our life we're looking Um, and so, yeah, she has this elaborate exercise regime and then she, she also, this isn't going to come as a shocker. They didn't have, um, anorexia wasn't a diagnosis. They didn't have a DSM five. There was no criteria for mental illness. It was hysteria. It was whatever. Um, and she, uh, has a diet that mainly consists of raw beef juice, whatever beef juice is. I can't even tell you. Is that like (laughs) blood? Is that literally just like is she a vampire? I don't know. Raw, Raw beef, beef juice. That sounds like something Jordan Peterson would advocate for. Just wait. Yes. Uh, yeah. Raw milk. Of course they had, they say it's raw milk, but I don't think they'd started pasteurizing then. So Wasn't I it think, just milk. I think it was think just considered just milk. milk. Yeah. They, they, they kept referring it to certain different sources to be like, she drank raw milk. I'm like, I think that was her only option unless they meant like, you know what I mean? They would like let the cream rise and whatnot. So, but anyways, Mm. it definitely wasn't pasteurized, um, eggs. And she refused to eat at all for days at a time because she wanted to keep herself at her 110 pound limit. She would drink a cocktail of raw eggs with salt mixed together. And she thought that was going to help her vitality and her appearance. Super tight corset wearing. Interestingly enough, do you know what one of the trigger points to get rid of corsets was? What? They learned uh, germ theory and tuberculosis. They realized that like 
having restricted breathing um, yeah. was actually like uh, bad during all these TB outbreaks. And so <laughs> they reimagined clothing so that people could breathe properly because they thought it would help them um, not necessarily get tuberculosis. Interesting. Crazy. Right? Wow. Yeah. Huh. And wow, I, I love, cool. I love random, I love random stuff like that. Uh, so our sweet little Cece, this is after she's had three kids. She's got a 16 inch waist. I can't. I'm so, hold on. Hold on. Like now. that's like my husband wears shirts bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's his, his neck, neck size <laughs> yeah yeah and she's yeah. five eight i know i know like that's basically that is basically my like thumb and ring fingers put together mm-hmm. into a circle is yeah. about 60 inches. yeah it's Goodness i mean gracious. it's so she's just she's basically she's anxious she's depressed she's looking for control wherever she can get it which means she's you know refusing to eat eating only certain things. Uh, how many inches? That's a 30 centimeter ruler, isn't it? <laughs> He's got like literally like a ruler. Yeah. Like what your kid uses at school. Yeah. Yeah. Quite literally this, probably this with like two more inches. That's what 16 inches looks like. So like a standard 30 centimeter ruler that your kid is given for school plus two inches is the basically like a little bit bigger than my neck. Yeah. <laughs> right. Ugh, now, okay. I'm wondering, I don't know if that's like, that's probably with a corset on, but still. Right. Oh, I'm certain that's with a corset on. Well, but for a lot of these women there, they had to wear corsets all the time because it was the thing that was holding them up. Right. Like they had such poor development in that, you know, sort of muscular and sort of, you know, structural kind of way that if they weren't wearing it, they were very uncomfortable because they couldn't sit up basically. God, no, thanks. So categorically, um, she would have been diagnosed with anorexia at the time. Like it's pretty, pretty clear that she would have, she was, and, and we know that criteria is uh, problematic because it does depend a lot on, um, the size of somebody to be diagnosed, you know, um, Mm -hmm. with, with anorexia, but she was categorically a size that could have been diagnosed refusing to eat. Um, definitely had some form of some body dysmorphic issues for sure. Mm-hmm. And she also developed a fear of overweight women, oh. um, which she transferred on to her youngest daughter who was, was afraid of queen Victoria when she met her because of her size. Oh my gosh. So what? like, yeah. So this is, I mean, it's just sad, right? Like this is the sort of image she's impression she's leaving on her kids. Like they're obviously very impacted by her um, eating habits and her views of what women should look like her views of herself, um, that they were afraid of queen Victoria. Now queen Victoria was probably really scary. <laughs> Even if her size isn't what you were afraid of, cause you really shouldn't be concerned. Well, I mean, size, like, like Sophie's a domineering, right? Yeah. Like- yeah, 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 totally. If your grandma is Sophie and you're afraid of queen Victoria. Yeah. But, but in all honesty, like it's just, it just goes to show now, like, and we've talked about this, like we all have daughters and we are all very cognizant of how we talk about food mm-hmm. and whatnot, because this is categorically what we don't want the modern day version of, which, exactly. which is, you know, kids to extrapolate that your fears, and then they become their fears. You don't want that, mm-hmm. especially over something like that. I mean, I'm, there are definitely fears in the world that are fair and reasonable to be passed on, but weight-based ones are not not one of them. Um, so her beauty regime. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. I just, this is, so we watched um, White Christmas this past week. And one of the things that I find incredibly distracting in White Christmas is Vera Ellen, who's the woman who plays uh, across Rosemary Clooney, is so, like, uncomfortably thin. thin. Yeah. you know, suffered from anorexia for most of her life. Um, but her waist circumference is measured at, was measured at 17 inches. And I'm just going to put oh. a picture in the chat of what that looks like, because okay. I can't imagine any okay. less. I was going to put a picture up later, but I'll put a picture oh. now because we're doing comparison. Yes. No, it's, it's good. Here's okay. a photo here that I've just I- put in and you can see her waist, her silhouette in it. This photo is from 1898. So this photo is the last, not there's one more photo of her, but she, um, passes away shortly after this, or she, this is 1898. So this is a year before she died. So hold on. This is her on a horse. Is that what I'm seeing? Yeah. And she died. Oh, it's the year she died. So this is the same year she died. So this is her at the age of 60. This is her waist and you can see it in the photo. So it's interesting that they even have that photo of her because she actually stopped at the age of 32. She stopped. Um, she decided she didn't want her public image to age any further. So <laughs> oh, she goodness. I mean, I, I can't say I'm surprised. Right. So yeah. she, she stopped sitting for portraits and she refuses to allow her photograph to be taken. So there's like a few photographs. Cause obviously it was easier to avoid <laughs> photos when someone had to like set up and like hold the thing and you had to sit there for like <laughs> 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. she obviously let this one slide, but, um, you can see just how small she is. And she's Ugh. like 60 in that photo. Wow. The year she died now going back a little bit. So when she's still, uh, you know, younger, she hires a former theater hairdresser who spends three hours a day doing her hair. So every day, three hours a day, combing, styling, her hair is ankle length. That's like one of her prized possessions. The fact that she even has ankle, hair, sorry, ankle length, ankle length. I mean, apparently I don't and know. She's, and she's five, eight. She's five. Like, eight. That's a lot. I am just I telling you what the historians have documented. <laughs> I have not verified the length of her hair. It seems long in portraits, does not appear ankle length. I don't know. Maybe this is a hyperbole. Don't shoot the messenger. Her hair is ankle length. <laughs> that stuff did tend to happen back then, right? The hyperbole I mean, they just don't the- like they. Yes, totally. I mean, but, I'm just thinking like, I guess eggs, dr- raw eggs with salt and beef liquid. No, what is it? Beef. I mean, it's literally a liquid protein diet. I mean, beef I guess raw beef for, juice. Good for your hair. Well, the fact that she smelled terrible. She must. Oh, I, I think everybody smelled. smelled ter- I think everybody smelled terrible then. Let's keep in True. mind. There was no deodorant. There was a lot of heavy cloth being worn. Yeah. Bathing was like not so much you know, necessarily thing as much as it is now. Uh, the fact that she had hair and hadn't lost it due to malnutrition is shocking, but she hadn't, she had not apparently, maybe that's why she stopped sitting for portraits. I don't know. Um, she, so after she'd have this like hairdresser do her hair for three hours a day, um, he would have to present any of the hairs that came out when he was brushing it to her. So she could inspect how many hairs came out. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. Next wow, level. Oh, wow. Wow. Yep. So talking about hair washing, she washed her hair every two weeks in eggs and cognac. 
Yeah, tell me too. Me, actually, that's tell what I me use. your royalty without telling me your right. Royalty. Yeah, and Eggs on hair and wash money. days, she canceled all other obligations. The hair was the obligation, so she took her hair very seriously. I mean, to be fair, if your hair is down to like your feet, it that is a that's a project. Like, I mean, it's not like a stand day. at the shoulder in the shower for ten minutes type of thing. That's like yeah. a, that's like a whole thing. And if you're trying to wash it with like eggs and cognac like that's not like getting much of a suds you're not really cleaning i mean you got maybe you froth up the eggs i don't know and then cognac like i mean sure i think we can now conclude that people really didn't smell very good then if this is what the highest of the high level of society is using to bathe like everybody else really wasn't wasn't there (laughs) it just feels upsetting to me even the image of like dousing my head in cognac and eggs like No oh, and, and it's not like they had drains, right? Like they would have been physically filling a bathtub, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I suppose they would have drained the tub, but like, you're, are you draining eggs down your, I don't know. I don't know what the piping looked like. The plumbing situation was in a palace in Vienna in like the 1850s, but right. eggs. Um, her mental health though really was not surprisingly after years and years of years of dealing, dealing with this mother-in-law probably had some postpartum depression at some point along with like mainstream depression, generalized anxiety by, you know, some accounts here, her physicians end up, um, and she's literally wasting away. She's like this, like itty bitty thing. So they end up sending her to Portugal to like, get better. It's the old, like, go to the, go to the the seaside seaside to to get, to get well. And she, I I, want to bring that back. I think that that's something we should be bringing back from 1800. Yes. Healthcare. The, like, the Victorians had one thing right. Yeah, you don't seem to be doing well. You should go sit by the ocean for like a month and a half and yeah. rest and take in the air. Okay. Yeah. And I also think that that would be a very beneficial thing. Hundred percent. Any problem? Not any problem. And it works. She turns around. She's basically like a new person. They're like amazing. But the second she gets on the carriage to go back to Vienna, she gets mm-hmm. a migraine, barfs everywhere. So basically, Ugh. she spends the next while. Um, traveling around because she knows she feels better when shockingly she's out of the toxic environment. Mm -hmm. It's so weird when you're not in that environment, how you can like do better, feel better. Yeah. Do better. Um, at some point she has a fourth baby. There's a whole bunch of political stuff with hungry, blah, blah, blah. Um, but she keeps getting more and more obsessed with her appearance as she ages. Uh, she takes a cold shower every morning, which is very trendy right now. That is like super I mean, look, maybe eggs and cognac in your hair are going to come back. You don't know. I don't know. The sad thing is though, and it's like mentioned in passing, but I'm like, oh, so she takes a cold shower every morning for her beauty, but she has really bad arthritis. So it's actually like very Mm. painful for her to have this, this shower, but her looks are so important to her that she would suffer through the cold shower from her pain to look better. I mean, her. as my grandma used to say to me, it hurts to be beautiful. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she takes an olive oil bath every evening. They like boil olive oil and she gets in it basically when it's only cool enough that it doesn't like scald her skin off. She like bathes in olive so oil. So she like deep fries herself every night. <laughs> she deep fries herself every night. Um, this one is super fucked. She sleeps with a face mask. So it's like a leather face mask and it's lined with raw veal. Oh, what? no, stop it. Stop oh. it. No, 
And all I can think of is like that Hannibal Lecter. Oh, that's all I got. And that's, I mean, maybe that was the inspo when they raw made that veal? movie. Raw oh. veal, like sliced well, veal. I mean, this is how a, many a, animals had to die. For I this was going to say, this is a total tangent, but like, <laughs> what? like every day there to just chopping up a baby cow for her to put on her face at night. I can't. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. And like, as somebody who's had real skin issues, like with dermatitis and acne and stuff, that's like taken a while to resolve. I can't help but think like not letting your skin breathe at all because it has like literally a completely occlusive mask on it. Like how, I mean, she's beautiful. If you look at any pictures or anything, she's a beautiful woman by all accounts. She has that beautiful porcelain skin, which is clearly from genetics and not from the shit she's doing because (laughs) just saying, I mean, what do we know? Maybe veal is it guys, maybe veal on your face for eight hours a day is the fountain of youth. I, you know, maybe it's all of this woke people are just keeping <laughs> us from the veal, the veal, the veal masks and the beef and the liquid beef juice. Yeah. Beef oh. juice. But what is beef juice? I think of like, Oju, which is yeah. like delicious. But if it's but raw, not, then it's, it's not. not. And like, that's like, well, you can't have raw. I don't know. Like it's, it, I just think of blood. I just think she's drinking blood. I think she's just drinking blood. It's so sick. That's so gross. So like, that's kind of the end of her little beauty system here. She has a very sad life. It basically ends with her son killing himself and Mm. she ends up being assassinated when she's 60. It's like, really, she has like literally a horrible, awful life. Um, but I just find it so real good. Oh, well that we sort of know of, because she literally stopped herself from being documented. Right. Mm -hmm. But isn't it fascinating how many things like these niche beauty things like that she was doing that made no sense. Then we still like, we've literally learned nothing (laughs) as a society. We're still doing stupid beauty shit that doesn't do anything. Like, I mean, she was literally sacrificing. She was sacrificing baby cows for her masks at night. And I mean, we're just doing it through capitalism, which I'm sure just as many suffer, if not more, more. Well, and I think it's just a good thing to sort of point to the fact that like women have been distracted. Women have been told that Mm -hmm. your key purpose in the world is to be beautiful, is to be an object of beauty. Right. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, like, I mean, I've, I studied art history for a long time, right? Like the female form is inherently beautiful and is inherently beguiling and is inherently intriguing. The end, right? We're like that S-shaped curve of like a woman's hip or a woman's breast or like her bum or her cheek or whatever it happens to be, right? Has like for thousands and thousands and thousands of years been considered, you know, one of the most beautiful shapes and forms. What I think is really interesting is how this idea of like reverence for just what women naturally have the end right mm-hmm. has been distorted into something that we should be pursuing often so that we can be held in higher regard thanks to the male gaze right in order to fulfill mm-hmm. that which the male gaze has also been told this is what you should be liking right so it's a weird perversion of this like really beautiful thing thing already to be made into the way that you are as uh, as yourself isn't beautiful enough just because you're a woman and you inherently are going to have these curves at some point in your life 
But, you know, what you need to do is you need to obsess about all of these aspects of it so that you'll actually be beautiful, right? Like it's like going up to like, I don't know, a a field of flowers and saying, okay, field of flowers, you guys really need to get your shit together here. Get it together, become more beautiful. The colors need to be more vibrant. You've got to buy this face cream. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Right. So I think it's, I think this is just telling of, you know, we're still doing the same stupid shit. You know? I know, like I remember listening to Glennon Doyle talk once about how um, one of the things that she is so angry about, and she's very open about her, um, you know, various addictions, and also the fact that she's really struggled with um, eating disorders for the bulk of her life. Yeah. You know, and she still is like easily half of the thoughts in my brain go to my body and how I look, and mm-hmm. she's so mad about it because she's like, I don't want to be thinking about this shit, but I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of that is obviously her particular brand of, of dysfunction has locked, locked onto that, but it's been informed by the culture at large. You know mm-hmm. I mean? Like, look at that woman from white Christmas, like good mm-hmm. grief. Like, like, cause that girl can sing and she can dance, Oh my but God. I'm wondering what she's singing and dancing on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, is she, what is she having? Like the vapors from the soup that her that Rosemary Clooney actually ate like, right, right. You know, I mean, this is said that's such an interesting parallel too, because we, what, this is like the 1850s that we're talking about with the mm-hmm. Empress. Yep. So mm-hmm. that white Christmas came out in 1954. So 100 years later, and yeah. all of these same patterning yeah. are, and still today, almost another hundred years later, all of these same patternings still exist. Well, and it's just like, it's just swapped. So she was eating raw eggs for her vitality. Well, I mean, people take collagen supplements for their skin. Do you know what I mean? She's like, oh, I'm going to drink this shit. So my skin looks good. We're still drinking shit. So her skin looks good. Even Mm -hmm. though it still isn't substantiated to make any difference in your skin. Like there's no, well, no real data, but even if it does, even if it does, it's still the wrong thing to be paying attention to. Right. It's still a distraction from all of the other amazing things, again, Lee, using your flower field analogy, all the other incredible things that our bodies can do that flowers can do if we're just mm-hmm. distracted by it's not beautiful enough. Mm-hmm. And it also keeps women reduced into mm-hmm. like our main purpose is to be beautiful as opposed to my main purpose is to be, you know, good or compassionate or caring or contributing to society or helping, you know, someone who's struggling or whatever it happens to be. Right. Like it keeps, it keeps us focused on kind of the wrong thing, I think. Well, and I also think there's a little bit of like layering on of, of first, second, and probably third wave feminism on top of that, that like, oh, you can, you can be more than just beautiful, but beautiful is still expected of the culture. But also you actually have to be a career woman. And also Mm -hmm. you do actually have to be really nice. And oh my God, you better be a good mother. Right. Mm -hmm. We just, it's like, instead of, you know, you kind of look at the, the original kind of nugget at the bottom of second wave feminism, you know, the right for women to choose whether they want to work or be at home. Well, now Mm -hmm. it's actually, you just have to do both all of the time. And some of that Mm -hmm. is this capitalist machine just asks more and more and more and more of us. So in addition to beautiful, in addition to mom, in addition to work, in addition to Mm -hmm. community contribution, everything is just an and. Yeah, totally. And then we wonder why women (laughs) are freaking out at Christmas time. Right. And and having rants about like, (laughs) 
you know, the emails that we get from our kids' school telling us that it's pajama day, two days before the end of school. What? What are we doing here, everybody? Gosh. <laughs> well, Jenny, that was super fascinating. I mean, I think it is really interesting that we get this opportunity to kind of like, you know, like step back and 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 look at. I mean, granted, this is out of a you know Netflix special, but like the fact is, it is rooted in it's rooted in real stuff that really happened. Oh, and to be clear, and none of that's you know, from the Netflix special. That's like me. That's that's my rabbit hole from watching the Netflix special. Oh, I'm sure the Netflix special will get there. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't spout information from a Netflix special because I wouldn't know if that's true unless I spend the entire Netflix special looking it up. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to know. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.